Today on this edition of Podcast 17. I get the chance to talk to some of the former members of No More Room in Hell, a modification that just closed the doors. I mentioned both the Judama single-player mod and Corridor's map. We also look at and comment on the various trailers that were released this week for a lot of Half-Life mods. And finally, we're pleasured to interview Chris and Mike from the highly anticipated Birambao mod. This is Podcast 17. Broadcasting from deep within Combine territory. It is every citizen's duty to resist the Combine and learn the truth. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Podcast 17 on this snowy Sunday morning here where I live. Um, We hope you had a great week. I certainly did. We have an interesting, interesting show for you today. Uh, Exciting, full of interviews and previews and uh, breaking news. Yes, we have a special this week. And we have a slew of guests, as usual. I, of course, am William, your host of Podcast 17. With me as co-host is Thomas, Editor321, owner and operator of HalfLifeCreations.org. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Is it as snowy where you live in Canada as it is here in southern Ontario? It's actually snowing uh, outside right now. Uh, it's warm, though. I've been open, the w- open my window for the first time in a month. So it's milder, but still snowing as hell. Oh, God, it's cold, cold, cold here. I don't even want to go outside. Next up on our list is Alex, your evil twin, um, ex-writer or previous writer from Planet Half-Life. I don't know how you want to phrase that. Yeah, former former writer would be a way to put it, I guess. And um, currently uh, trying to get into game design and working on my own mod at the moment. Ooh, oh, interesting. And it's, not, it's not snowing here at all. And it's not raining either. <laughs> How was your holidays? You're not uh, you're not a virgin to the show almost, so we didn't get to talk to you until before the holidays. Um, yeah, my my holiday was pretty good. It was mostly spent playing Fallout Three. Ooh, good game. Yeah, 110 hours so far, I think. And I had a horrible moment when I thought all my saves had somehow become corrupted. Not a good feeling. Turned out to be the new Nvidia driver update. Interesting. All right. Also, we have as interview guests Chris and Mike from uh, Birembao. Mike, or Chris, is the producer of the game, and Mike is the lead coder. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing very well. How are you? Ooh, not too bad. Really, really good. How are you guys doing? All right. So I guess we are ready for the show, and to kick it off, obviously, as you listeners know. We are going into Podcast 17 news, and this is the first episode without Philip as co-host. I know, um, we're just as depressed as you are, but Thomas is ready, like we said last week, with the torch, and is ready to carry it on through his podcast career. That is absolutely true. Hopefully I do not drop it at any time, and if I do, there will be a small uh, person of even smaller stature to catch it with their face. And the fire exits are directly behind me. That's the idea. Also, for Podcast 17 news, um, our forms are insanely active right now. Well, not insanely active, but there's a lot more people posting and uh, a lot more discussion. I just opened up a monkey board. Somebody asked for it. I saw no harm in doing it, so I did it. But other than that... You actually created a monkey board? I thought that was just a joke. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know, maybe they want to post pictures of monkeys. I see that going south. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's about it for uh, Podcast 17 news. Like I said, we have a slew of Half-Life news this week. Um, more importantly, at the end, we're going to be having an interview with uh, Beer and Bow, Chris and Mike. But to top it all off, most people are aware that uh, this week, No More Room in Hell closed its doors. And we were actually able, actually Thomas was actually able, to go into their Ventrilo and get an interview with uh, some former members of the team. So Thomas, why don't you tell us what this is all about and who you got to talk to, and then we'll play the little sound drop. All right. So as William has already said, No More Room in Hell. Uh, has closed their doors uh, to the development community. Um, now, anyone that's been around No More Room in Hell is going to know that I have a history with them, and it's not that great. Um, Coleman and I were the original conceivers of the modification, and I left pretty early on in development because there was disagreements between myself and um, a interim leader. Let's just leave it at that. Anyway... Uh, when the mod finally did decide to go uh, boobs up, as it were, it really didn't surprise me. Um, I was able to, as Will has already said, uh, hop on the Ventrilo server and get this little uh, soundbite of what some of these team members and former team members thought. Uh, so I just plugged them a few questions. Unfortunately, I cannot remember who you are. Sorry, didn't have the chance to write it down, but hopefully... Uh, the listeners will enjoy this soundbite, and if it is you that I was talking to, uh, feel free to post a comment or something. So, Nick, if you'd be so kind to play the sound clip. Here's a question for you guys. I know I'm not surprised, but are you guys surprised that the project took a nosedive or what? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Considering the people who were working on it and the constant problems. Most of us did a really good job, which they are. No, no, no. The only no, thing, no. we mean, did not have a I stable mean, animator, and we never had a, a, a stable programmer. Excuse me. The lack of people working on it, e.g. in the coding department, and then 3P, I don't know how much of an impact he actually had. He had no impact. He spoke. He never even showed up to team meeting. And then... Oh, man. <laughs> I know that the mod has had... Um... It had, for whatever reason, it had a lot of talented people working for it, but for whatever reason, they just never stuck around. What do you think are the reasons that uh, these really qualified team members just decided that they only stuck around for a month and then they left? Okay, there's a number of reasons. One, Coleman's directorial leadership is very poor, almost non-existent. Uh... To this day, there is still no completed design document, so people had nothing to follow. Things were constantly changing in terms of this ever-fluctuating design concept. As I said, there was no document, it was just a concept. It was, things were always changing. Uh, another thing would be... It was just a, a thing with... Even during Half-Life 1, uh, it was very hard to find people to stick around on a team. People would join a team, a mob team, and, you know, their schedules in real life would conflict. Very hard to find people who were both skilled and have the time to do it, because, uh, most of the people who are skilled enough 
and we'll play the game in a bit. But most of the people who are that skilled usually have jobs in which they use that skill, or are looking for a job in which they use that skill. That's why most of us who, pretty much most of the art team for No More Room in Hell, we all have jobs in the industry. Uh, same with Insurgency, most of them have jobs in the industry now too. It's very hard to find people who can continue working on a project when they, you know, they work a regular job where they're doing the exact same thing. No, it makes sense. What about Left 4 Dead? Do you think that might have hurt the mod's momentum? Because Left 4 Dead was, had a less uh, less time in development. It was only five years. No More Roman Hell was in development for six or more. Do you think the release uh, Left 4 Dead... Uh, hurt the motivation of the No More Room in Hell staff. No More Room in Hell is a toy. So <laughs> no. Well, you're comparing you're comparing third-party developers to Valve. So I, I I really don't. Well, I wouldn't have been disconcerned, or I I wouldn't have gotten down because of that if I were working on the mod. Now our original goal was Left for Dead is coming out. I mean, you can't stop it. Uh, we wanted to beat it coming out. That clearly didn't happen. So, really, once I hit shelves, or once it, like a release date was confirmed, it was just like, there's no point in even trying. The current status is the few people who um, are still working or have the time to work are doing what they can to convert what we have into an entire campaign for Left 4 Dead. Then again, the problem with that is Valve hasn't supplied all of the SDK tools for Left 4 Dead. Apparently they're going to soon, we don't know when, so that's also causing trouble as well. Okay, so you guys are planning on releasing some of the content from No More Room in Hell that you're not just going to let it rot, correct? Planning, yeah, it'll eventually maybe happen. Then again, you're talking about, you know, no, it's not. us. You're no, talking not. about our No More Room in Hell team, and we're completely unreliable. All right, so that's it. Keep in mind that uh, these are past and former developers of No More Room in Hell. I don't believe any of the people we interviewed were current developers, so to speak. But it gives you an idea of the uh, the the leadership of the mod, and. Uh, we're sorry about all the background noise, but I guess they were playing an MMO at the same time. It was the best we could do. So, Thomas, how do you feel about that? How'd you feel about that afterwards? Uh, not surprised whatsoever. Um, yeah, and don't confuse that with me being maybe a little bitter about, you know, getting asked to leave, because that didn't really bother me so much. In fact, now that it went bottoms up, I'm pretty glad that I distanced myself from the project. I know Coleman personally, and I don't really want to talk in anything personal over the radio about that kind of stuff, but it doesn't surprise me one bit. The project went bottoms up. Like the interviewer said, there was no design document that they had access to. A design document existed, it just left with me. I still have the 16-page document that was originally conceived when No More Room in Hell was created, but I got to keep that, so... That's that's actually really interesting that they didn't take that away from you. Um, but the key thing to take away from this interview, I think, is uh, that they might be por porting the content to Left 4 Dead. I asked them 
Well, I didn't really formally ask them, but I posted in their mod DB profile asking whether or not they're going to be releasing the unreleased content, and nobody really responded. And then people were asking, is it going to be posted for Left 4 Dead? Are you going to make the L4D campaign? So I guess we'll see. I'd hate to see all this work kind of go to waste, but, uh, you know, that often happens. Yeah, it would be fantastic if it is ported over to Left 4 Dead. Um, I mean, truth be told, I don't think that um, you know, no more room in hell. You know, would have been able to compete very well with Left 4 Dead. You know, how many um, you know multiplayer zombie games uh, do you need at the same time? Um, you know, on the Source engine. Um, I think you know it would it would be quite productive to port that over to Left 4 Dead, and you'd probably get the best of both worlds. Yeah, some people argue that uh, no more room in hell and Left 4 Dead are two kind of different entities it's like comparing uh in terms of zombie flicks uh 28 weeks later to dawn of the dead it's kind of the fast zombies versus slow zombies yeah i mean although i enjoy slow zombie movies uh slow zombie games aren't so much my thing so i suppose i'm not sorry to see that aspect go yeah for sure Either way, that's our interview. Um, maybe we'll hear from No More Room in Hell in the future when the Left 4 Dead SDK gets released. Um, I'm not sure of the status on that, but Valve is always reminding us that it's coming. So keep your eyes out on that. They, they might not be dead entirely. That's all I have to say um, from my own opinion. Up next on our list is Source Fort um, 1.9.4.1, and they might go down in history for having the most points in version numbers but uh i was able to play 1.9.4.1 because i haven't played source words in a while and it is a classic classic half-life 2 mod and it's come a long way it is so fun if you're unfamiliar with the source words franchise um or product it's basically a capture the flag mod but with a little twist you have two uh i guess two modes um you join the server or you start a round and you're in what's called build mode and everybody builds up their little forts and then you're in um you know play mode or attack mode and uh you have to go capture the other person's flag navigating around their forts and people make intricate mazes or nice little contraptment or contraptions and uh i built a house that kind of made people mad because i was wasting blocks and time but uh it was fun nonetheless. Sometimes people do their own things. Sometimes they work together. Nick and I got to play against each other. And Nick was playing seriously, and I wasn't playing so seriously. But anybody else have any opinions on SourceForts? I think SourceForts is you know, is a fantastic concept. Um, there aren't too many games out there at the moment which combine, you know, shooting and action with, um, well, with other sorts of gameplay. Put simply, uh, most games, you know, deathmatch is deathmatch, capture the flag is capture the flag, and this is a whole other element, the build phase, and it's, um, you know, it's it's you know, it's stimulating. It really makes you think. Yeah, and when I started playing the mod um, a while ago, I had no idea that this was broken up into these two phases. I was a little bit confused at first, but then I realized that it was such a cool concept, such an awesome idea. But that's SourceForts. If you haven't played it in a while, um, I urge you to go ahead and download it. It is very, very fun. 1.9.4.1 is out. The update's out, so you can go ahead and grab that, download the full client, and just uh, go ahead and build some forts. Are there any big new features that we should know about? 
Not that I can tell from their uh, from their posts. I mean, of course, it probably has some bug fixes, but nothing really added as far as I know. I can't say for sure. I haven't checked the uh, the change log. Uh, all they all they say here is uh, various fixes and updates. So nothing too crazy like a new weapon or anything. I don't think. I just wanted to mention it because we haven't mentioned it on the show before, and uh, I wanted to get back involved with SourceForts. I think now is a good time when they just released an update. So moving on, another mod that uh, has been in my radar that might not be in the listener's radar is a mod called Sniper Division, and uh, I've been watching this fairly closely. They're a fairly newer mod, but they have a, a lot of media and a lot of content and a lot of images. Um, so this is kind of our uh, our retroactive talking of this, and uh, they just actually recently posted a prone animation. But what I saw and what I was interested by was one of their videos showing off their uh, their maps and their models and the skill behind this mod. I believe it's just going to be a sniper mod uh, based in World War II. You get a scale of uh, sniper rifles, and uh, obviously there's going to be different maps like forests, cities, villages, and open fields. Um, you can have like camo blankets and changing of scopes. It's going to be a cool mod. Um, if you haven't checked out the media, I urge you to, and uh, watch some of their uh, animations and some of their videos, their gameplay videos. Looks promising. I think it's an excellent concept because a lot of um, shooters, um, snipers tend to you know, quite often come associated with campers and get hated by the majority of players who just want to run around and shoot each other for fun and don't like the idea of being, you know, headshotted for miles away. So it makes perfect sense to make a game in which everyone is a sniper, everyone is camping, and the entire point of the game is just to headshot for each other for miles away. Then nobody can complain. Yeah, there's a AAA title called, uh, oh, I don't remember the name, but it was all about snipers. And uh, you would just snipe in an open area, um, some, most of the time cities. I mean, the graphics weren't really that great, but I remember playing it with friends over LAN, and that was actually a really, really good time. You would just hide and wait for somebody to come by. It wasn't Marine Sharpshooter. The only thing that I see wrong with a, a, a large-scale sniper uh, mod like that, um, sniping, you always see a sniping duel, like you see an enemy in the gates. It's two guys going at it, you know, um, and trying to get a one-up on each other's position. If you have a 16-man server full of uh, full of snipers, um, first of all, it's going to be very hard to stay in one position because you're going to have to worry about, you know, 15 other guys kind of moving around you. Um, and it, it also doesn't have that intensity level of you versus another sniper. Well, the fact is, the you know, in the average game of Counter-Strike, um, you know, by the later rounds and everyone got lots of money, it basically turns into a sniper war anyway, of 16 players with powerful sniper rifles. Um, at least in a game like this, um, you don't have two or three unfortunate people who want to play of a different style. And it also might have to do with the gameplay mechanics, because although we've seen the initial concept, we don't know uh, how far they're going to take each individual piece. Like, is there going to be optics sway? Uh, is there going to be uh, bullet drop? Um, how well is the camouflage system going to work? Are players going to be encouraged to move around somehow? Is team play going to be a factor? Most people forget. A lot of snipers work in pairs of two, at least, sometimes three. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Like, they can take it a lot of places um, away from the stereotypical sniper in your counter-strikes and your halos. So it'll have to be a wait-and-see thing, what they do with it. 
I hope they have some um, extra gameplay elements, though, just so that people aren't hiding in buildings and waiting for people to walk on by. Maybe adding something as simple as, like, capture the briefcase, or, uh, I don't know, maybe you have to go, like, touch a flag in the middle of a city square. But it would be interesting to see. Um, have, uh, have you guys any, have you guys tried a Battlefield, the Battlefield series at least? Uh, you know, I was wondering if uh, Source Engine is capable of doing maps large enough to do, you know, interesting sniping scenarios as interesting as Battlefield does it. Well, Empires has pretty big maps. I'm always surprised at the size of Empire's maps, and it reminds me a lot of Battlefield and those types of games. Though, of course, the more detailed the map becomes, and the harder it is to sustain a large map size. Yeah, I think they justify those those map sizes by not putting buildings or complex geometries. It's just basically uh, terrain, and that's it. But yeah, I mean, this, this mod could be used in uh, various different fashions, or utilized in various different fashions. You can have, uh, like, a run-down city, a la World War II, like you would normally see, or uh, an open desert environment with people hiding in sand dunes, or even snow, people hiding in snowbanks. Um, I mean, you can go very far with this mod. It should be interesting. They're, they're pumping out a lot, a lot of good media, so we'll see what happens. And it's coming out fairly fast, so maybe the mod will be out soon. Uh, it sounds pretty exciting. Like, uh, sniping is sort of like one of my favorite, you know, uh, game types. Uh, just, just playing any game with guns that, that has a sniper rifle available, that's, that's probably the only weapon I'll use. And, you know, like CS is sort of, you know, very, very limited in terms of sniping situations. Whereas you have games like Battlefield where, you know, you have 64 players, maybe only eight of you are snipers. And so you're in the situation where you're using other people as distraction. And you kind of do end up in sniper duels. And I wonder, you know, if they can have, you know, that kind of chaos going on with this game. Um, you know, I wonder if they can take advantage of that. Like an uh, editor said, uh, you know, like camouflage and, you know, different climate environments and, you know, bullet drop is another thing. It's like bullet drop is something that differs between the pros and the newbies, right? Like the newbies will try to aim for the head directly. But if you're at 500 meters, uh, it's never going to hit. So, you know, you always end up. I uh, wonder if they're going to think about that. Yeah, just an interesting mechanic that I just thought up now and uh, maybe make the game a little bit more interesting would be a sort of co-op. Um, as most people know, snipers never snipe alone. Like like Thomas was saying, there's usually a spotter or even a third spotter. So maybe you could join up in little teams of two or little squads of two and have communication only between you two. And uh, maybe just have the spotter have a skill so that they target on an enemy. And if he targets on the enemy, then your accuracy increases. Or something as simple as that. I think that'd be a really cool concept. But we regress. We should continue on with the show and uh next on our list is the dead before dawn teaser released and uh this is a left for dead campaign one of my most anticipated left for dead campaigns because it takes place in a mall and uh they basically posted a little trailer of them running around in their mapping environment with uh zombies plopped in there i'm assuming using cheats because the sdk isn't out but uh wow what a what a beautiful environment now, just to clarify, that mall is based off of the mall from the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Is that correct? I've never seen the remake of Dawn of the Dead. But Nick okay. says yes. Nickopedia for the rescue. Sweet. So that mall, if I remember correctly, parts of that were filmed in Edmonton and Toronto. So 
like that particular mall, they actually put up a new sign. So there's a Canadian connection, I guess. Woo, Canada! But uh, it looks really, really cool. I think as soon as the SDK is released for Left 4 Dead, we're going to see some really cool campaigns. Because people are ready. People got people have the maps done. Um, they're just waiting to throw entities in there, really. Yeah, I was slightly disappointed to hear that it's based on the mall from uh, the remake. Um, because the original is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, the remake was a decent film, too. But um, I would have liked the, uh, the 70s nostalgia of the original mall. Hopefully they don't run into the issue that uh, actually Capcom ran into with uh, Dead Rising. Um, the guys that behind Dawn of the Dead tried, or tried the remake tried to uh, sue them over that for using a mall with zombies, and uh, you know they could come after it. I don't think that'll be such an issue with the mod. With Dead Rising, it was because it was a big, successful game which raked in lots of money. And, um, you know, clearly the film company figured, hey, you know, we had the idea first in our film. Um, with a free mod, I don't think that's such an issue. There are certain companies which go after, you know, even mods, you know, but that's usually because they're worried that they're infringing on copyright that they are using for their own game. Um, there isn't a, there isn't a game that would, that would fit this. In fact, they'd have more to worry about from the makers of the Dead Rising game. No, it's very true. There's a lot of companies that we're not going to mention, like Fox, Square Enix, that uh, do have a tendency of cutting down mods. But hopefully, they'll look the other way with this one because it actually looks enjoyable. I haven't bought Left 4 Dead yet. But this could do it. I think it's on sale now. They dropped the price, didn't they? Uh, where's Nickopedia? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they dropped the price. I can almost say that for certainty. Because my boss got really upset. He doesn't like Life or Dead. He wants a refund. I don't even know if you can get refunds on Steam. I don't even know how that even makes sense. I think you can get a refund if the game doesn't actually work. If you, you know, if you install it and it won't work for some reason, perhaps because of your computer specifications or something along those lines, and you can somehow prove that it doesn't work, or you're just convincing, I think that you can get a refund then. But I don't think you can get a refund for not liking yeah, I mean, uh, Mike says in chat, can't they take away your access? I don't know, and give you some sort of rebate? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that works. I've never had to return a Valve product. Never wanted to. Anyway, moving right along. A mod we have been neglecting, uh, mainly because I don't like covering these types of mods, and I really have to force myself to do it, is Earth Special Forces. Um, over the past couple of episodes, they've released tons of trailers. They pretty much come out with an update every week, or they strive to. And, uh, this is a mod that really shows inventiveness with the Half-Life Particle system and the effect system. I think that's my favorite part about this. Um, they have a lot of bloom and a lot of HDR, and, uh, their magic or whatever Dragon Ball Z characters use is awesome to look at. Very shiny. I like shiny things. Yeah, I used to play this mod back in the day. I don't anymore. Uh, the reason for, and this might have changed in the newer versions, I don't know, but I hated the time I had to commit to it to get my character up to a certain point where I could compete with other people on the server that had been there longer. Um, like, I don't know if it's still, the, I don't know if it's still that way now, but you had to fill up this meter uh, before you could access your higher level powers of your character, and each character had a different level of power meter, um, but it would just take too long, and I'm like, I have to devote almost an hour to the game to get this 
up to up to stuff, and it's like, ah, I'm gonna play something else. Well, personally, I think that sounds fantastic. Because um, I mean, the alternative would be that either everyone is instantly powerful, as they are in you know later episodes of the series, um, or everyone would only be able to use low powers. Um, you know, for people, for you know, if you want to have a game in which people are using you know the low abilities and in a game in which people are using abilities that explode planets um, then you know having it build slowly over the course of the over the course of the game and the server is fantastic and you know and what's interesting is that it's over the course of one game rather than it being like an MMORPG with a persistent character so it's not like you take weeks or months or a year to get up to that level instead you just play on the same server against your mates for an hour, and by the end of it, you're blowing up planet. Yeah, but I think that might be cool if they had persistent stats. Um, maybe moving it over to, um, you know, every time you level or whatever happens in our special forces, um, it saves it on some sort of server, so you don't have to replay that aspect over and over again, and make it harder, sure. But to have levels, um, or I mean, sorry, have servers where you can uh, define minimum level that people can join, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, the problem with, you know, a persistent system is, you know, accessibility for for newbies. Um, you know, you have the community sort of being segregated, um, you know, high-level-only servers, low-level-only servers, and so on. The way it is at the moment, you might come into a server and it's near the end of the game, and so, you know, you're totally outclassed. Um, but you can join a server that's just about to start, or you could just wait a while, and presumably everything resets and everyone starts out... No again. Am I right in thinking that's how it works? I believe that's how it works right now. I don't know, Thomas is apparently our resident expert of ESF. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> don't, don't put the expert label on me. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's how it worked back in the day, and if... And it was, it was fun. I just found mods that I could have fun faster, you know? Like, it's a good system, and I don't think for what they're doing... You could really do it any other way. It's just perhaps not as close to my heart as it is for other people. Um, and then the game that did it well was um, Enemy Territory. And of course, there's the, the sequel, Quake Course. Um, you know, where by playing on the same server, over time you unlocked um, slight improvements, you know, um, faster reloading or better damage of a weapon, something along those lines. Um, which are you know pretty minor improvements, but it meant you were rewarded for playing one hour, two hours on the same um, server. But they weren't especially powerful upgrades. It didn't make people able to wipe out whole enemy teams. And I suppose with Dragon Ball Z, um, of course, you know there are, there is a gigantic variance in in power levels. So uh, so I can see how it could be frustrating if you join and uh, everyone is totally out of your league. I think we've discovered, like, some kind of gaming math that you have to play. What? So anyway, Earth Special Forces, check out all their updates and all their media, all their images and videos, because they definitely have a slew of them. And uh, you can always check out their mod. Their most recent beta was their uh, open beta final release, August 29th, says ModDB. And uh, you can get that going. Next on the list, this is a small map that uh, that I stumbled upon on the whole Half-Life, and I just downloaded it. It's kind of a 
a visual map, that's all. It's called Riverpool, and basically all it is is a map, and usually I don't talk about these small maps, but this map is so beautiful. Um, it's for the new whole Half-Life single room competition, um, which when it closes we'll get into more detail about that. But uh, it's just one room, and a pool, and a temple, and it's just such a beautiful environment. You can take a look at the screenshot, anybody um, who's in the show. And it's just, what I like about this is it just shows that uh, Half-Life 1 is still a beautiful engine. You can do really, really nice things with it. But anyway, if you're a visual guy like me and you like looking at eye candy, so to speak, then uh, go ahead and check out this river pool map. It's a quick download, and uh, you just grab it and go. I'm looking at the screenshot right now, Will. Is that a is that somebody by the pool? It looks kind of naked. No, I thought she was naked too, but she's not. She's wearing some sort of bikini. Oh, so that's what you meant by eye candy. <laughs> some people have, um, I know some people criticizing the map because it has, you know such a high number of polygons that basically it's the um, sort of level of detail of a Half-Life 2 map. And they're saying, well, you know, it's easy to make a fantastic looking map for Half-Life 1 if you actually make it for you know, Half-Life 2. Um, but, you know, it goes to show that the Half-Life 1 engine still has got you know, quite a decent amount of power in it if you can if if it can manage to render maps which are of a level of detail comparable to Half-Life 2. Yeah, and of course, like we said before, that limits the size of the map you want to work on. But if it's something like a room competition, like the whole Half-Life is holding right now, then, uh, you know, you can put as much detail into one little square area as humanly possible. And you can make it as detailed as you ever want it. It also depends a lot on texture. I was just going to say, there's a lot of uh, Half-Life 1 modifications like Arrangement and uh, Cry of Fear especially that they have to balance their very high and detailed maps uh, between the limits within the engine they're working in. And uh, no, this one actually looks really good. When I first saw the screenshot, I thought it was Half-Life 2, not 1. So anyway, um, I like looking at things like that. And if you're an eye candy specialist like me, then you'll like it too. Next on our list is a mod that I didn't get to play because Philip pulled it from Planet Philip, so I actually didn't get to download it. But it's called Rebellion, and I just want to make it known to uh, all the listeners out there. Um, in Rebellion, you play as Mandela, colonel in the Confederation, a powerful military force. At the beginning, you explore the mothership as you're asked by Admiral Spade to attend your briefing. You'll discover that part of... The first attack wave was sent to Storm Tor 29, a little colony lost in the Nafel system. A lot of backstory, I guess. But uh, he found it on Interlopers. It's available for download. 100 megs, um, like I said, for Half-Life 2. And I believe he gave it a 5-star rating. So uh, so check it out. And of course the link Actually, will be on our show notes. What's funny is he said that he didn't like it, but he said play it now anyway. It's, um, you know, it's very impressive. It's a very impressive mod. It's just he personally didn't like the style of play. So although he personally didn't enjoy it, he was nonetheless very impressed by it. Um, I too didn't get to play it um, due to the file being pulled down. It is back up now, though. Um, it is downloadable now. Um, it's um, you know the supposed, supposed criticism is the uh, squad-based gameplay. Um, if a uh, if a member of your squad dies. Um, you know, it's game over, you can't continue, you've got to keep all members of your squad alive. And some people don't like that, they don't like to worry, have to worry about the health of their squad. But I'm perfectly fine with that, I prefer that immensely to invulnerable teammates that can do all the work for you. Or, who, or 
situ you know, contrived situations where um, you know you've got invincible teammates, and then you, you're with them for like two minutes, and then you're sent away from them. Um, I prefer trying to keep everyone in my squad alive. Uh, when I played opposing force, I tried to keep all squad members alive, even though I had no obligation to do so. And uh, within five minutes, you always had to leave them behind. But I always felt guilty if they got killed off. So this kind of mod is you know, definitely up my street. Yeah, and we all know Philip doesn't like playing with other people, so that's probably why he didn't like it as much. Yeah, it was too much. It was too much like a simulated multiplayer for him, I guess. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to check it out, and I suggest you guys do too, all you listeners out there. One mod I was able to play, though, that was actually pulled down again. Uh, two single-player bots pulled down is called uh, Jodoma or Judoma, it's for uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 2, and it's a fairly short single-player mod, but uh, extremely detailed. I think the backstory is that uh, after the... Or I'm not sure if it's after or before the Citadel crash, but uh, you're Gordon Freeman again, and you have to run to meet up with uh, your rebellion friends, or you're just trying to get through um, a combine-infested complex. Um, very good mod. Very, very exciting to play. Extremely detailed. Uh, it has a good sense of directing the player without creating like a specific linear path. We've talked about that, overlapping maps. Um, like I said, very good visuals, good lighting, good audio. Um, but the downside is, when you beat it, you learn that it's a two-year project. And uh, it only took me about 20 minutes to beat, so I questioned myself, well, if it's a two-year project... Um, Obviously not a lot of effort went into this over the past two years. I thought maybe um, I thought maybe it would have been done sooner than two years, but um, to each their own. Maybe he was just going at his own pace whenever he wanted to map, he was mapping, which is fine. Um, everybody maps in their own special styles. But uh, I don't think it's warranted to be a two-year project. I'm, I'm... Maybe he only had like five minutes every day to work on it. Yeah, I mean, yes. You know, some casually in their you know in their own spare time occasionally works on you know making some maps, putting it together, and um, you know and it just shows you know a great you know dedication that he keeps working on the same thing rather than trying a little bit here, a little bit there, getting bored of it, trying something else. That you know even though he might have only had time to do a little bit of uh, mapping every now and then, um, you know he stuck with the same project and brought it together, brought it all together, and eventually made a uh, a finished product. One thing that was really nice to see in this mod or this uh, single-player map pack is uh, was traps. Not a lot of people do this, but when you're cluttered against a lot of enemies, there's specific traps that if you notice them in uh, proper time, you'd be able to set them off and uh, kill a whole bunch of enemies at once. Unfortunately, I guess I wasn't that keen. I didn't see the traps quick enough. But uh, they were there after I killed all the enemies. I said, oh, I could have done it this way, which was interesting. And uh, another thing was, I was able to play it on hard without saving once. The autosaves were perfect, and the amount of weapons that, uh, or amount of ammo and health that they give you is spot on. I found myself at, like, 1 HP. As soon as I get 1 HP, there's a health kit waiting for me in the next room or something. Um, it was just very well playtested, it felt like. Yeah, there you go. He might not have produced that many maps over two years, but he made that. He made sure that his maps were you know, damn right perfect. Yeah, did anybody else play it? Oh, I did. No biggie. Um, I just wanted to know if anybody else got a chance to play it. Um, but it is fun. Definitely download it. Uh, I can't. It's only 30 megs, which is fairly small for a whole mod. 
and uh, worth it for the amount of time that's you that it takes to play through it. So check that guy out. Next on our list is uh, the Vault Tech Source trailer, and this was interesting to see, mainly because I wasn't expecting it. I was always expecting a Fallout mod for Half-Life 2 as soon as Fallout 3 came out and became popular. But this looks pretty cool, and uh, they came out with a little trailer. It's a little bit low quality. Um, there's another teaser trailer out, actually, right now that I didn't see before. But uh, check it out. It'll be obviously be in the show notes, and uh, you can check, you can watch that video and check out their media on their ModDB profile page. What do you guys think of this? Well, I wasn't terribly impressed but then again I think that might be because it's very early work still and um, I think that's a that's a risk if you release media from a mod that's still in the early stages um, you know it can look quite amateurish um, you know but uh, you know when in fact there's quite quite a bit of work to go um, you know the textures weren't very detailed the, you know the buildings just seem to be gray blocks you know of course the characters are all just standard half-life characters so there wasn't anything that made it look like Fallout, except for a rather simple vault door and uh, and the music playing during the trailer. Other than that, it just looked like messing around in Gary's mod or something like that. Um, but I think that's just because of the, uh, it's footage from from a mod that's still in very early stages. Yeah, it didn't it didn't look polished whatsoever. I, it I will be honest, it did not impress me in the slightest because. Uh, one of most of the time I was spent was either out on a street with rectangular buildings or in a perfectly rectangular room, and everything was full bright. There wasn't any lighting or anything, and that that gave me a, a really bad first impression. So maybe that's a lesson that can be learned by other mod teams: is that it's always good to get media out, but perhaps a you know a trailer so early on is not in your best interests. Very valid points. I'm, sh- I'm sure people wouldn't have been, you know, so hyped up about Black Mesa if uh, if they'd released a trailer which consisted of, um, you know, a couple of vortigaunts going around, you know, a grey rectangle and, you know, calling that a remake of Half-Life 1 would not have impressed anyone. And uh, similarly, a Half-Life version of Fallout 3 is not going to impress anyone if it's just a bunch of um, standard Half-Life 2 characters shooting at each other in grey blocks. However, some trailers that might impress someone would be the Stargate mod trailer that was just released, and the uh, Jailbreak Source trailer for .5, Jailbreak 0.5. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at this, but these are beautiful trailers. The the Jailbreak update, I was so happy to see. Um, I reviewed this mod for Planet Half-Life, I don't know, X day, you can go read the review, it's there. Um, One of my gripes about the mod back then, and I'm not saying I'm responsible for this, but I'd like to think that I might be responsible for a tiny bit of it, but I gave the mod a little bit of hell saying, this is a great concept, but why does it have to be set in Half-Life Universe? It just does not fit. And then they turn around and add these dinosaurs and robots, and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was the other way around. When I first heard that they were changing the teams to dinosaurs and robots, I thought, wait, what? Dinosaurs and robots. Oh, this is this is you know just silly nonsense. I don't see where they're going with this. But when I saw the trailer, which had dinosaurs and robots fighting each other, uh, I've got to say it looked fantastic and it totally changed my mind. Um, so yeah, I guess um, you know my preconceptions were um, not spot on. 
it almost looks like it's a natural fit. Like, you don't notice the uh, novelty of it when you're watching this new trailer that they just released. Um, it's so beautiful, and you get to see all the nice things. It kind of reminds me of Dystopia. The early, early, early versions of Dystopia, if anybody remembers watching those trailers. And that's the state that Jailbreak Source is in right now in my head, um, which was a fun state of dystopia. Yeah, I think one of the reasons the dinosaurs and robots thing works is because they've gone with this, this sci-fi setting, a sci-fi setting which isn't the same as the Half-Life 2 setting. Um, so, you know, the dinosaurs, you know, perhaps they're dinosaurs or they're, you know, a race of people evolved from dinosaurs, uh, right? rather like the uh, laughable Super Mario movie. Um, you know, it's a, sci- it's a sci-fi world... You know, with you know, in its own right, and so it makes sense. Um, originally, I was just I was literally thinking of like Stegosaurus and Tyrannosaurus Rex running around Half-Life Two corridors, and that sounded daft. I mean, honestly, what ten-year-old boy doesn't love dinosaurs and robots? Yeah, they are really appealing to their demographic. And then our other trailer that I mentioned was the uh, was the Stargate mod trailer for Half-Life Two. And uh, it's just a beautiful trailer. You can kind of tell that their uh, their firing or or shooting mechanic still isn't refined, but they have beautiful models, beautiful maps. Um, you know, nice little player weapons. Uh, everything looks very nice, but they're still far away from release. Yeah, I'm slightly confused because there's already a Stargate multiplayer mod released. Uh, I'm assuming this is a separate project, or did they merge together? Well, I don't know about that, but there there seem to always be various Stargate mods out in the market. But it's just interesting to look at. Um, very good trade. Next on our list are some releases. Uh, I just want to go through them real quick. Zombie Master 1.2.1 was released. Um, Fixed memory leaks and servers, revolvers stronger, banshee damage lower, just various tweaks and uh, changes. If you're a Zombie Master fan, you probably already know about the update, but if you're not, now's a good time to get into the mod. Um, another release is the Fake Factory Cinematic mod came out with an update, and I've never played Fake Factory. Um, Nick was telling me that they were featured on Kotaku ones, but uh, it basically adds... Um, high definition, um, like, it increases the quality of Half-Life 2, um, makes the bloom a little bit more realistic, and, uh, makes everything a lot more visual. I don't know, have any, has anybody played Fake Factory? Yeah, I've gone through a lot of versions of this. What they do is they pretty much take everything in Half-Life 2 and try to max it out. Uh, but when I say max out, I mean, like, lighting, upping texture sizes and stuff. Uh, in other words, it's usually a humongous pack of crap that you uh, throw in your Half-Life 2 folder, although they have a standalone install, thank God, now. Um, but yeah, all it is is it's a huge graphical update. Um, a lot of people don't like uh, Fake Factory stuff because they don't think it looks uh, genuine. Like, they make some really good-looking stuff, but these are the same people that came out with, like, the Robot Alex, the... Uh, towel-wearing Alex, the nude Alex models, which are a little weird. Um, I guess you really have to be into the whole nerd using the binoculars to stare down Alex's cleavage to really appreciate that kind of stuff. But, uh, Alex, have you experienced this? You seem to be the guy that knows the stuff. Now, I played quite an early version of Fake Factory, and, um, yeah, I've got to say, you know, I wasn't... Uh, some aspects I was impressed by, 
um, some I, were, I wasn't impressed by. Some things, you know, like you know, making certain weapon models more detailed seemed to be a case of making them look grittier and dirtier, um, you know, and look more like appropriate for a Fallout 3 setting than, than a Half-Life 2 setting. Um, and various things in the environment sometimes, you know, making things too deep, making things detailed meant making them look busted up or crap or, you know, it just didn't quite look like Half-Life 2 anymore. But then again, that was quite an early version. And, and of course, you know, people have commented on, on some of the things and on, you know, it, so, you know, I think he has tried to, you know, to, to make compromises and, uh, and, you know, bring it up to, you know, more what people expect. Also, I was quite impressed to see that in the recent versions, it now um, uses the orange box um, engine, the episode two engine. So um, the early the early versions were just more detailed textures, but now you can play Half Life Two with the episode uh, two engine with all the you know, the particle effects and shadows and so on, uh, which interests me more than actually the high resolution textures. Maybe you can comment a little bit about uh, the engine effects. Like I said, the they, they boast about redef- redoing the bloom and the uh, the HDR. Do you notice that sort of thing? Is it that much of an improvement? Um, well, I, I can't say because I haven't tested this most recent version. I've only played the much earlier versions. I've just got screenshots and so on to go on. Um, but you know, if you play episode two, um, you know it. You know, as well as the fact that you know levels are larger and more detailed, you know things like the shadows and particle effects do look much more impressive. Um, you play Half-Life 2, it does look slightly dated, and um, and it's nice to be able to play Half-Life 2 with all the fancy stuff, especially given that uh, console owners can play Half-Life 2 with all the fancy stuff. If you bought the orange box on Xbox 360 or PlayStation 3, you get new shadows, new fire, new blood effects. Um, some of the main characters are more detailed. Um, you know, and that's something that PC owners didn't get. Um, you only get that in, you know, in Half-Life 2 Episode 2 on the PC. And there's no, there's no backwards compatibility with Episode 1 or Half-Life 2. And uh, recent versions of Fate Factory are, you know, trying to give that backwards compatibility. Hmm. I might check it out. Um, I always wanted to see the effects that they boast. But, you know, Nick was telling me that uh, he didn't really like the models. Yeah, of course, you could always... Um, I mean, I think they've now got a standalone version which doesn't use all the high-definition models and textures. It's just the engine changes. Or you could try the, you know, the full version with everything changed. And then, if you don't like it, you could simply delete the models, delete the textures, and it would go back to looking, you know, Half-Life 2 quality, but with the enhanced particle effects and shadows, etc. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. It sounds very cool. Um, if you want to replay Half-Life 2, maybe you can play it through Fake Factory. Next on our list. Oh, before I get to. I was just told by Eckhart, um, who's also in the listening live with us, is this the Zombie Master release that we mentioned was the final Zombie Master release in the history of Zombie Master. Um, they're not going to be releasing any more updates. They said a note on the future of Zombie Master. This release is the last Zombie Master release. That is the Green Bunny um, himself. I'm ceasing development to pursue other interests and seeing as the rest of the team has already been otherwise occupied for much of the past year, that means development as a whole will not continue. So I guess they're done. Uh, the mod is complete in some sort of stage. It seems like a kind of uh, peaceful uh, leave of the mod. But I didn't see this coming. I always thought Zombie Master was a very popular mod, and uh, there's still a lot of fan base for it. 
Well, sometimes something can reach a point where there's not really much more to improve. People are happy with it. Um, I mean, take a look at Counter Strike. Um, you know, version, you know, 1.6, I think it was, was you know, was not liked by a lot of Counter Strike players. They were happy with the way it was before, and then they added, um, you know, a riot shield that can, the, the counter terrorists could use, and uh, and things like that. And um, you know, and the community was divided down the middle. Some people. Um, you know, some people like new features like that. Others, others thought it, it ruined the whole game and threw a tantrum about it. Um, and you'll notice that Counter Strike Source doesn't feature the riot shield from the you know the last version of Counter Strike. Um, you know, sometimes something reaches a certain point and and there's no need to uh, add anything more to it. Of course, I haven't played a recent version of Zombie Master, so I'm not sure how polished the gameplay is. Some could argue that maybe it still needs more work. But if the gameplay does seem polished and it's lots of fun, then um, why tinker with it more? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's totally totally a sound situation. If they're done, they're done. It happens with single player all the time. Why can't it happen with multiplayer, I guess? Another good example is uh, Action Half-Life. Um, that came to an end. And then, um, and then uh, a few modders sort of made their own extra version, a few minor changes, called it Action Half-Life Director's Cut. And then that was it, it was finished. Um, I'm not sure if people still play Action Half-Life. I know they were, uh, I was able to play it, you know, quite recently, like a few months ago. Um, you, know, it's, you know, it's a Half-Life 1 mod, it doesn't have a big community. But, you know, it's a game which, you know, is near perfect. I can't really think of features that I would want to add to the game. You know, I actually went to a LAN party, um, a fairly large LAN party, a couple of months ago, and there was about five people playing Action Half-Life together, and I walked by them, I said, wow, you guys are playing Action Half-Life, and then they said, you recognize this mod? <laughs> it was so funny. It was just such, it was kind of like a walk down memory lane. But anyway, um, I'm getting off a tangent here. I wanted to talk about another... Half-Life 2 single-player map release called Corridors, and this is just that, a single map release, but don't let that fool you, because uh, this map took me about an hour and a half to beat. It was so fun, and I was surprised how long it was continuing for. Um, it is a it is a nice-looking map. I mean, the visuals aren't anything stunning, but it's getting great ratings because the gameplay is so fun. Um, but other than that, Check it out, download it. It's only three megs. It's one single map. That's it. I mean, there's some uh, there's some extra files you have to put in certain areas and like the materials folder. But other than that, you're good to go. So definitely download it. Did anybody play this? Yeah, I played it. I I almost gave up at the start because I couldn't see how to progress. Although, you know, there was a way I could jump through some hot steam and just about survive. I considered doing that. Um, but at first, I I didn't realize that there was a vent that I could climb up and reach and crawl through um, because it was a rather dark red-lit room and I wasn't looking up. You know, there were several doors and various valves and pipes and I figured something would be interactable. Um, but in fact, I needed to look up and there was a vent. So when you start, if you find yourself getting stuck, look up. <laughs> well, they won't get stuck now. You already gave it away. Well, it's not really a spoiler when something's in the first 30 seconds of the game. <laughs> And our last bit of news before we get into our blast from the past is I got an email from Brian Corner um, from uh, from Zombie Panic Source, and he said, "In celebration from the New Year's Zombie Panic Source one year anniversary and nearly six years of Zombie Panic, we're holding an official Zombie Panic Source contest 
but this time we're giving you the blueprints, a bigger payout and two chances to win. You'll be given the task of recreating some of the most memorable Zombie Panic maps from before, uh, from before Source. So if you're a Zombie Panic fan and you're a Zombie Panic Source fan and you're a mapper, this contest is for you. Basically, from what I understand of it, um, you have to recreate a gold Source map for the Source engine for Zombie Panic, which should be fairly interesting to look at. So of course the content details will be uh, will be in the show notes. You can check it out, and I think you can win six hundred dollars, um, which is quite a large sum of money. Six hundred dollars for one map—that's pretty good. But anyway, that is our last bit of Half-Life news, and now we can move on to our blast from the past real quick before we get into our interview. And uh, this week, kind of a backstory of why I chose this for our blast from the past. Um, if anybody is familiar with the Halfquake series, they should know that Halfquake Sunrise is in development. And uh, this is being done by Mudaship, same person who did Halfquake. And uh, he posted some images, they're just images, nothing too fancy, of Halfquake Sunrise, and we'll provide you with those links. So I decided to choose Halfquake Amen for our Blast from the Past, and I urged everybody to play it. And this is one of my favorite mods for Half-Life 1. It is so kooky and so weird. Um, I guess it should be noted that if you're prone to seizures, you probably shouldn't play this mod, and I'm deathly serious. Um, it does have a lot of flashing lights and a lot of trippy texture. But uh, definitely play it if you've never played this before. But be prepared to play through some puzzles and uh, and get confused and possibly frustrated. Yeah, um, I I greatly enjoyed Halfquake. Amen. It's it's basic. It's mainly a puzzle mod. It does have you know combat in it, um, but mainly it's more about um, challenges or puzzles of some sort or another. Uh, basically, you're in hell. You've got this whole series of crazy things to do, and and many ways to die very very easily. It's kind of this dry. Um sadistic humor that evolved around it. Zan, I saw you playing it. Um, what did you think? Uh, I liked it until my probably 12th time jumping on the word sadism, and then I gave up. <laughs> it was a very interesting concept. I just wished that uh, once you passed a puzzle that you didn't have to repeat it over and over and over. Well, it, it, is, it is all... It is all about messing with your head. Um, you know, there is one level where you've got to wait for 20 minutes, 20 actual real-life minutes, for something to happen. And when I played it, I went and made myself some lunch. Um, it is all about with messing with you and not doing what you would expect from a computer game. So, um, you know, if some bits are terribly frustrating, uh, it's meant to be. Yeah, actually, sorry, before you go, Thomas, um, that 20 minutes is actually extended to 30 minutes. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert, I guess. No, the uh, Half Quake is just absolute kooky. Um, the the name kind of leads to what it looks like. The architecture screams of like the very first Quake game, and for that, I love it. And like it's already been said, the puzzles are just uh, there's so many so many ways to die, and it's not like oh yeah, like you're falling down a pit. It's like giant spikes will come out of the wall and impale you, or the ceiling will fall down, or a pit will open up and you'll fall in radioactive waste, or, you know, it's just, you need to want to beat it to actually play through it, and the ending, not to give any spoilers, is uh, anticlimactic, uh, it really gets to the point, if you will. 
Yeah, and uh, one thing that I love about this mod that was fairly new for uh, the mod for its time was there's tons of custom sounds and lots of voice acting. I think it's just three guys um, spouting off random lyrics or random lines um, that they wrote out. And there was one part where there's a map and it's kind of situated like an RPG. You have to do quests and various missions to get out of the area and to move into the patient section, which is the section where you have to wait for 30 minutes. And if you do something right, you can actually climb up on this elevator and it'll take you to this island and there's a little bonfire there and uh, a tombstone and you can listen to the creator of Halfquake, not a sheep just spout off about uh, human existence and what it means to be human and what it means to rebel against certain entities and it gets really serious and I'm almost like wow you should maybe write a book it's about a I don't know I guess a seven minute speech about human existence and that's the only time when this the mod is really serious. I am a dragon! <laughs> that, is, that was my favourite line from Southbreak Amen. <laughs> yeah, the little, uh, the little head crabs that are dragons, and it just says dragon across their forehead. <laughs> but the mod is fun. If you've never played Halfquake, um, first off, download it, and then say to yourself, this is a mod that uh, is unlike any other, and... It's sadistic and puzzling, and you'll get frustrated a lot, even in the first area where you have to jump across the little alphabet. Um, but stick with it, and you'll have a really, really good time. Did anybody listen to the full ending? Like, after it ends, um, the creators are just talking in the background, like, with a black screen. I honestly can't remember. I'm sure I would have stuck around and listened to it. Yeah, I think it goes on for like 10 or 15 minutes. Anyway, check it out. Check out the new Halfquake Sunrise Shots. Great mod. Very, very fun. And now I think it's time for our interview with Birambao. Uh, I know we're running a little bit later with uh, Chris and Mike. So to start it all off, uh, I guess either one of you can take the question. Let Tell us a little bit about Birambao and what it is. Okay, I'll, I'll take this one. Uh... Bow is a uh, third-person sword-fighting multiplayer game, and uh, and it pits two fighters together. Uh, the gameplay is always a duel, and uh, well, we've made a we've made, put a lot of consideration into making a deeper uh, combat system. So there's like blocks and combos, and um, we're, we've we've set it in this sort of our own universe that's got uh, it's got a mixture of samurais and knights and cyber ninjas. So uh, we're thinking of making it into something that you know a more broad audience can accept, and uh, you know we've been working on it for about a year now. Um, the one question that came to mind, and if listeners remember, we got at, myself, Nick, Thomas, and my friend Andrew got a chance to play um, a preview build of this mod, and we talked praises of it in the last episode uh, before we interviewed Vino from Calamity Fever. But the first question that I thought and the number one thing that I was worried about when I got this mod was the melee system because I've always complained in the past about Half-Life 2 having horrible melee system and you need a really really solid coder to get things properly or done right um, and I have to say that by playing Birambao I noticed that you guys have done everything right so maybe tell us a little bit about what you had to do to get that melee system as crisp as it, as it is and this goes to you Mike since you're the coder 
Yeah, uh, I listened to that podcast, and uh, we were, our whole team was sort of floored by the praise of, you know, first thanks, you know, that was pretty awesome. We all got to listen to it, and, you know, we got our morale is an all-time high. Uh, aside from that, um, the mod started when um, there was uh, me and my friend, uh, me and Jason Balanza, uh, we, we were playing this uh, game called Jedi Knight, and Jedi Knight had a great, you know, dueling system. Uh, when we turned off all the weapons and uh, all their force powers. Jedi Knight is a Star Wars game. It's, you know, if you're hidden in a rock, you don't know Jedi Knight. Um, and there, there was a small community of players who played it uh, specifically with duels and, and lightsabers. And um, it, was, it was such a great game, but Raven, the company who made it, didn't support the community and didn't support that, that, that gameplay format. They didn't design the game with that in mind. So there's a lot of flaws in the combat system, but we also saw that there was like a lot of good things that is not be designed. And so we thought, you know, hey, we can't mod this game. They didn't release the source for it. Uh, why don't we make our own game? We have a lot of good ideas for multiplayer sword combat. We know that, you know, duels are fun. Um, it's The fighting is very, very intimate. It's, it's kind of like ping pong, you know. It's like, you, you know, you take a swing and you have to block, you have to counterattack, and you go back and forth. And so um, when two people you know, fight, fight very, very, like, they, they take their time and they, they sort of back off and you sort of read uh, some other person's uh, intentions. So you can, like, sort of see what the other tri- person is trying to do and you're trying to see what they're trying to think. And you're also trying, at the same time, you're also guessing their health. And it's sort of a psychological uh, combat game almost. And... It also plays into um, the addicted, addictiveness of uh, Street Fighter and uh, Mortal Kombat and sort of console fighting games. Um, and so we, we definitely took a cue from that, and um, we sort of designed it, redesigned it, and went back and forth, and we had a ton of discussions about the combat system. And so you know, what you saw in the demo was definitely sort of not final, and we... You know, we're still going through, and we have to change a lot of things in that next version. So, um, you know, definitely we hope to have that ready soon. Well, I have to say from experience, and I know Thomas can back me up, and so can Nick, but uh, we were floored by how awesome this mod is. And being just a demo, I've gotten some demos before, um, pre-release demos, and they were not nearly as, like, up to par or this much high in quality as beer and bow is. But anyway, um, why don't you tell us about the combat system uh, for those who are listening who don't follow the mod, either you or yourself or uh, Chris. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry about that, I was lagging. Um, so the combat system, um, uh, sword is, uh, the sword is controlled directionally, so you can attack forwards, left, and right. Originally, we had it so that you can design, uh, you can attack eight ways. You can attack forward, you know, forward, left, forward, right, right, Left, left, back, left, right, and then uh, we didn't ha- we didn't really design a back attack, but you know we were we were trying to think of some way to use that uh, combination, but uh, it didn't. It turned out that it was too complex for people to sort of use. You know, people only really ever wanted left, right, and forward, so we sort of limited it down to that. Um, the combat system: you hold down the right uh, strafe to, and then you hit you click to attack right. You know, and vice versa for left and. Uh, for most forward attacks, you can do three combos, five combos, uh, two combos, depending on the stance. And that's another thing that we have built in. Um, the stance system is uh, you have a heavy attack, uh, reverse, 
and balanced, which is your default. Um, we made it so that you hold down and modify a modifier key um, and you enter that stance automatically. So uh, you don't have to sort of uh, remember what they do. You just remember, like for example, if you hold down control, um, you, you, you're, you're sort of your pose and your character goes into a different uh, mode. And that changes all of your attacks and that changes your speed and your defense, etc. And so we've added also like a blocking system. Uh, what you've played is auto blocking. So uh, if if I'm not attacking and you hit me, um, and I have enough uh, what we call stamina, but we change it to momentum now. But uh, if I have enough of that, um, you know, I automatically block. And uh, I don't know. That's uh, that we we're, we're considering a lot of other stuff, like for example, counter attacks and uh, special moves. So. Uh, that's that's all. It's all like inside our design document, and uh, we're slowly working on to, you know, finishing that up and uh, refining it. So I think we're currently on our second pass. We've already finished all the features we wanted for the first design document, the core combat system, and uh, we're sort of going back and revising a lot of stuff. I have two questions. Uh, maybe Chris can answer this now. I wanted to know. Um... As developers, when does something become too complex? And uh, I hate to pick on Calamity Fuse, but I'm going to. And their design is extremely complicated and hard to get a hold of. And to somebody who's new to beer and bow, it might sound like with you know your your stance system that beer and bow is complex. How do you make a, a mod easy for somebody and keep all the features you want? And when do you say enough is enough? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's what we've been working on um, recently with Beer and Bow is uh, just trying to get the usability and the learning curve way down for new people uh, joining in. Um, so right now, and of course, when you guys played, I gave you a little tutorial in the email just so that you weren't completely lost when you started the game. But uh, we're definitely planning a, a few methods of attack for that. Um, we're going to have a tutorial map. Uh, where you're going to be trained to use the different stances. Um, more than likely going to have in-game tooltips as well. And we're making the uh, user interface, and a uh, big thanks to Nick for that, uh, a lot more easy to uh, to pick up. Uh, it pretty much replicates uh, like a fighting game type of uh, interface. So you have your health bar and you have your stamina bar, and you, know, you see your hits that you hit and everything like that. So... Um, it's one thing that's been really tough. Originally, the the guys uh, before I joined wanted to make it a, a small niche mod uh, where it had a, a little community of really dedicated people that, you know, uh, really complex game. And, uh, you know, but uh, so when I came on board, my um, I used to work for a Valve employee. And uh, so the number one thing that was hammered into my head was uh, complexity budget and how you don't want to go over your complexity budget. And... Um, so definitely simplifying it and bringing it down for a, for a large audience has been something that I've focused on and trying to get the guys to change things so that uh, it's very accessible and you know our community builds to a large thing because everyone's having fun within the first you know three minutes of playing the mod. Well, that's good to hear. Um, you obviously have some experience. How about your beta team and uh, how are you guys going about in baiting? Are you uh, just pulling in random people sometimes and seeing their first impressions? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we have uh, I have a couple friends that you know test everything that every mod that I work on. So uh, we have a pretty small team, maybe like ten guys. Um, and I've also had some friends uh, in real life that 
I've had sit down and play the game and then listen to their feedback. So we've gotten some really good feedback in terms of uh, where to go with the game. Um, earlier you mentioned the, the auto-block system um, and the possibility of switching it off. Is there, is there um, our servers, are there going to be servers with auto-block and servers without? Will it be a configurable option? Or are you trying to make blocking easier so that people don't need auto-block? Um, you know, is... Yeah. Hey. The problem that you run into with a bunch of uh, server configurations and different options is that you really run into this thing where you have, you know, 40 different servers and um, each one is so different. You, you know, like you have one server that has auto block on and maybe they have a hardcore mode where there's no user interface. And so you have a new, uh, you know, you have a new player that joins a server with no auto block and none of that and uh, they're completely lost. And so um, I think it's kind of that, what I call the Unreal Tournament Syndrome, where they had so many game modes and so many different things that their community just split, and you know you didn't have a lot of cross-pollination. Yeah, I have something to say about that. Uh, I think uh, we designed Berenbound in mind to limit the number of options and number of possibilities, and sort of drive all of our focus into the combat system, the existing combat system. So, I mean, there have been a lot of suggestions from people, you know, are you going to add more weapons? Are you going to add guns? You know, um, uh, are you going to have, like, sort of different martial arts styles? And we definitely considered everything, and I think that our sort of main focus is, you know, melee sword fighting, and um, and adding, by, by adding, like, other stuff, you know, you get... You get more and more play variations and play styles, but I think by limiting it, by going the opposite direction, um, people have more. Uh, actually, people have less to learn. People have uh, just sort of more time to focus on one thing they can do well, and the game becomes sort of more skill-based, um, very like highly competitive skill-based, and you know that I think I think that makes the game far more interesting than if we added a ton of weapons or if we gave them a ton of different kinds of attacks. If we just limited the options, you know, people it's easier for, for people to focus on. Now, I ask because, um, you know, if you, if you do use an auto-block system, I'm sure there'll be some people that'll be unhappy with that. They prefer the idea of, of manually blocking. And if you go the other way where you have to manually block, I'm sure there'll be some people that just plain suck and, um, you know, won't be able to block. And... Um, so there you go. But I mean, um, that's that's always the risk uh, that you run. Um, I was thinking perhaps after the mod has been released, perhaps you could introduce you know additional game modes if you already have a large player base. Um, some games like Call of Duty 4, there is a hardcore mode that's played by a certain number of people, but it doesn't overwhelm the main uh, the main game type. All right. So I'll, I'll pitch you guys a question. Either one can answer. Um, I know that uh, in the little beta that we had the chance to play, there was one character. I was wondering, um, what other types of characters do you see yourself adding? I think I made some kind of perverted comment about the the title menu art there and wondering if that particular character uh, will be seen anytime soon. Yeah, boobs. (laughs) We like them. Yeah, um, we have uh, our, our concept artist, our very talented concept artist, David Boyle. We'll give a shout out to him. He's uh, we, we've been asking him to design um, a couple different kinds of characters for us, and 
you know, we're definitely going to add uh, more models, of course. Um, but I think um, at the beginning, we focused a lot on uh, writing stories. We wrote a lot of characters. And then we realized, oh, wait, you know, we're making a multiplayer game. Nobody cares, right? So um, we're sort of, uh, we've sort of rejiggered that, if you will, and uh, took the stories and sort of concept art and characters that we've made and sort of used that to direct the concept art and the, direct the art direction. Um, and we have uh, currently three, three archetypes of characters. We have, uh, we have these, like, knight characters in armor. Um, we have the uh, old samurai in a straw hat, you know, like with a katana. Uh, we have uh, a cyber ninja, like, with, in a you know, totally armored suit uh, who have, like, you know, high-tech blades. Um, and so, and so, I don't know. Like, it could be really interesting to see all those different worlds clash together. Um, uh, we had that concept from the outset. It's just like it almost began like a pirate Vikings and knights, I guess it was, um, where you know someone said, "Hey, what if those factions fought together?" And you know, in in some sense, in the very beginning for us, and in our concepting stage, we were, you know, thinking the same lines. We're like, oh, okay, we're gonna, we want some knights to fight samurai, to fight cyber ninjas. How cool would that be? And, you know, uh, we're definitely going to go that direction in the future. Will some models have an advantage over others? Uh, will some player models be more advanced? Like, will you be able to choose your player model when you join the server, or will it be something that you choose, say, in a menu option and stick with it forever? Uh, you should be able to choose your character model. Um, I think our, our philosophy right now is to treat them just as skins uh, as opposed to different characters with different abilities. They're definitely going to have personalities. Like, we've, um, you know, we thought a little bit about how uh, the characters might sound. Um, uh, I got a German roommate who I'm going to get him to do some German voiceovers for. Um, we're going to get some characters with the Japanese voices, someone with Korean voices. Um, you know, so it's not just an English game. It's going to be like all these characters are really international, and uh, you know, uh, over over like a period of two days or something, I recorded a bunch of voices for the character. So you know, you heard him go, "It's over," right? So we are probably going to um, get character reaction voices to that. So for example, um, if someone did that, it's over, and he missed. And somebody else hit him and kills him, you know that other person might say, "Yes, it is over." And you know that could be really, really cool. We, you know, give the characters a lot of personality. Very awesome. So like a back and forth. The one thing that uh, the one idea that I really came up with was, uh, especially since we do have like you know Mike is uh, in China and we he has a German roommate. Um, it sounds like a sitcom, but anyways. Um, so the number one thing that I thought would be really cool is like to treat Berenbao's kind of like a, an old Japanese uh, kung fu flick, you know, like w the the whole um, experience of that. And I thought it would be really interesting if uh, all their taunts were in the native languages, and then you had subtitles at the bottom of the screen. That would be really cool. Then I can learn how to flip people off in Japanese. That would be awesome. Yeah. Will uh, will all the phrases be sort of automatically triggered by your moves, or are you going to have a taunt button? We actually have two taunt buttons right now. Um, you have uh, a like get over here type of uh, hand motion, and you also have a bow. And I think um, the guys that have played it kind of messed around with that a bit. Yeah. 
I have a couple other questions. Um, you mentioned that you don't want to add different game modes or you don't want to complex the mod and segregate servers. Um, however, I, I noticed that you have some Easter egg server commands. Um, my favorite being the bullet time mode. So when you're fighting and you do some crazy attack or some finishing move, the game kind of gets slowed down, and then you also have fire swords where your swords are on fire. Are you going to be adding more of those, or uh, are you going to be removing those Easter eggs in the future? Um, as for the fire sword, um, yeah, while we were making um, variations for sword tracers, I decided to throw in uh, the fire particle that was already existing in Half-Life 2. And so, you know, just to see what it looked like, you know, say like, hey, we have a fire sword here. Let's you know, what can we do with this? So we're trying to, we're still trying to find out, like, uh, how we can fit that into the gameplay. Um, we have a couple ideas. Um, you know, we had an idea where you can win swords. Um, if we ever get Steamworks, uh, we can allow players to win different types of blades. They all do the same damage, but they have different effects, maybe, or they have different models. And, you know, you can have, maybe you start off with, like, a wooden sword, right? Beginners start off with a wooden sword, and you sort of work your way up to bigger and bigger blades or cooler and cooler blades. That would be sweet. <laughs> um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your maps and your visuals and your environments? Um, it's actually pretty interesting. We we have one mapper that did uh, every map that you guys have played. Um, his name's uh, Tommy. Uh, he goes by Zatormi. Uh, fantastic guy. Works really, really hard um, and uh, apparently has nothing better to do, so he just cranks out maps. He's uh, actually tweaking the maps that we have in right now. Um, the four maps that we're more than more than likely going to have for release are uh, Dojo, um, which is takes place in like a typical Japanese dojo, you know, light streaming in, all that. Um, <coughs> Village, which is... Uh, a multi-layered uh, dueling arena. It takes place in a little village and like secluded mountains. Um, there's dust flying everywhere. It's just very peaceful. Um, and then we have monastery, which takes place in like a, a type of gothic church um, with stained glass and you know crosses. And uh, there's a a, uh, a gated off area with a tombstone, which uh, is not gated off in the beta that you guys played. And uh, the funniest thing that people do with that is. Uh, run around it because you can't get it there fast enough so they just continually run back and forth um and finally oh boy what's our fourth map i'm missing one oh yes district uh which is like district. a yeah which is like a uh a japanese street pretty much uh signage everywhere you can see the uh the high rises in the background um you know cars and all that kind of stuff so it pretty pretty uh diverse maps um and very fun to play and uh the one thing is that you guys played those maps um as they are but we are doing the uh the multi-duel thing um so those maps are going to be very expanded the way multi-duel is going to work um is that uh you you're going to have uh it depends on how many people we go with we the way that i i feel that it should be is about six people dueling at once so you have uh three groups of two um they're all going to take place in the... It's not going to be like Rocket Arena. They're all going to take place in the same map. So you're going to have, uh, like in Dojo, you're going to have two people dueling in the Dojo, maybe two people dueling outside, and two people dueling on a bridge outside as well. Um, and so the neat thing, one of the things I really wanted to focus on is that uh, you're going to see other members dueling. So uh, 
you're going to see, um, like if you're in the dojo, you're going to catch glimpses of these guys outside fighting, you know, as, as you're fighting, which I think kind of gives a really cool experience. Very cool. Yeah, one of our major gri- uh, gripes with this mod, and I'm sure you heard, listen to the last episode, was that uh, it was there was a lot of patience involved. It was very round-based, and only two people could play at a time. But we're glad you're opening that up. So uh, you you said probably about six people in a server maximum? Kind of a smaller mod? No, six people dueling. They're still going to be spectating. Um, so th- there still are going to be people watching. Um, so if you have a six-player six duel, or I'm sorry, uh, six players dueling, there's going to be a queue just waiting, and whoever dies, the, then the, the next person in the queue is just going to be slotted with you know uh, into that arena. So it, it's going to be a much faster. There, like I said, there's still going to be spectating. I think that if you have everybody dueling all at once, and there's no real penalty till death, then you're just going to get in there, and it's not going to be strategic. You're just going to, you know, mash buttons and try, uh, you know, real aggressive tactics instead of the, you know, the the kind of sh- strategy that we want. Right. And one of my last questions is, uh, Stenchy from ModDB mentioned that the game almost seemed um, a little bit chancy. And I have to disagree with him, and I know Nick and Thomas can back me up on that as well. Um, How do you guys make it so that there's a certain amount of skill involved? Oh boy. Um, Something we've been trying to focus on a lot. I think the first problem is to get over the, the how do you teach a newbie how to play this game. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who are not going to be able to get into this game uh, immediately because uh, it it is it is very very different from a lot of games that other people play, um, and and that's one of what the first thing is just you know hey how do you how do you control this? Another thing is feedback. Uh, we we got to work on that a lot. Um, the game does not give you enough feedback for what's happening. Like when you successfully hit somebody, uh, when you get hit, when you run out of uh, stamina. Uh, when when you can counterattack, nothing. Like we gotta we gotta something that we gotta work on. So um, so it's not just in your you know in your head you're keeping mental states of your character. Uh, the game should tell you exactly when something is happening, um, and that's something you know uh, that's not apparent right now in the game. It's not good enough in the game. So you know you're gonna get players who are like, oh something is happening, but I don't know why. No, perhaps a, a way to fix that, uh, especially with hits, would be to have like uh, a, like a, a little thing go above the player that you hit that says like one hit combo, two hit combo, three hit combo, four hit combo, like the uh, later Street Fighter versions. I think that would be kind of neat. And I think it would still fit within your uh, your little universe there. Um, when it comes to skill, like when Will was asking, to me, it's all about knowing when to attack and when to back off. Because if you try to do a successful attack and you miss, uh, you're open for a few seconds while your stamina regenerates. So it's almost kind of like, I don't want to compare it directly to chess, but you need to know when to make your move. And I think that's what, uh, at least that's my impression of what the mod is all about, is knowing, okay, uh, I'm going to guess that he's going to do this next, I'm going to counter with an attack, or I'm going to counter with a block, or I'm going to roll out of the way. You need to be able to read the player, and that probably will only come through experience, you know, saying, okay, this guy likes to do this. So I know that if I do this right away, I can beat him. Yeah, you, 
you both, um, actually Nick is talking in chat, and Thomas, you mentioned this too, but this game is all about predictions, but not just predictions, but uh, knowing your enemy, which is what makes this game so fun, or this mod so fun. When we were dueling, um, yourself, or Thomas, Nick, and uh, Andrew and I, I knew all of your playstyles. Like, I knew Nick liked using uh, sheet stands a lot, or shell stands, or whatever it's called. Um, so I would always prepare for that. And I know that uh, Andrew liked going into the quick stances and hiding in the little crypt room, which is now blocked off. But uh, but once you're able to read your opponent and know what they're good at, the game becomes a lot more interesting. And I think a lot of mods are lacking that. I think Birumbau does that excellently, um, reading your opponent and anticipating based off of experience. I think that comes that... Um, almost... Sorry, uh, what was that? Yeah, um, I think that that com- that comes almost with inherently I think with uh, the dual game type is um, you have no other distractions you, you know there's there's really nothing else to see except for you and your opponent that's you know that's the most important thing and uh, you know if he comes two inches closer than you expect then you know something's up you know maybe he's advancing and uh, reading your opponent is absolutely critical to this game um, how how well you can read it and if any part of the game is getting in the way of reading like your opponent and sort of reading their intentions, um, that that's a problem, you know. And the one thing that I will mention about Stenchy is that uh, obviously having him play the game, we kind of went easy on him, um, <laughs> which was uh, just letting him uh, get acclimated to the game. So that might be a big reason for him saying that it felt random, is because we were more or less just standing in front of him and letting him hit us. Right, which is fair, and you guys did that for us, and I think you still do that for us, but... (laughs) LOL. All right, so uh, one of my last questions is, uh, what does the future have in store for Beer and Bow? Um, I mean, we've we've talked about so many different things right now. Um, Is there anything, are you going to be extending it future? I can't think of anything specific, maybe like a free-for-all mode, or, uh, you know, obviously just adding more maps. Uh, Chris, do you want to take a stab first? Um... I think the future for Bear and Bow is going to be pretty good. I, I really want to see um, how, uh, <laughs> yeah, stab. We really want to see how um, how it really plays out with the community, like getting our first release out there and see how it's taken. You know, it, it it's all based on like if maybe ten people are playing it every day, then you know it's going to be a, a much smaller sort of changes. But if we develop a large community, then I think you'll see a lot more. Uh, you know, adding more players, adding more um, different game modes, uh, all that kind of stuff, a lot more maps, just making it feel, you know, a lot larger. Uh, but it, it really does depend on how the community takes it. If it flops on its face, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, where do we have to go? What do we have to reset to make sure that this is, you know, a popular mod? Yeah, something that uh, also in the future we want to have is uh, some sort of ranking system. Uh, you know, we want to be able to have two players jump into a duel and then on the screen show you, you are rank number 200 versus rank 50. And you're like, oh crap, you know, he is so much more experienced. But, and the game can also tell you, like, uh, your probability of winning. You know, we can calculate some number and say, you have a 0.5% chance of winning against this guy. And, uh, and because he's holding a far, you know, flaming sword, and that could be really cool, you know. Like, uh, uh, it makes the game a lot more competitive. And uh, I know a lot. Some people just like want to have fun. You can. You can just jump in and have a duel. But I think 
keeping uh, some sort of rank um, makes the game uh, more addictive uh, because you want to you want to sort of hold your honor. Yeah, that makes for I think that'd be really really cool. You don't see that in uh, Half Life mods, and I think we should. Um, and you see it most notably actually in uh, online card games and uh, different like party games, like for example, Batgammon over Yahoo Games or something. You have ranked games where uh, only people over ten thousand points can play with in this little mini server. I think that'd be really cool, but like you said, you need a larger community for something like that. I really yeah, love the idea of um, of a statistic on the screen saying you've only got a 2% chance of beating an opponent, and then doing it anyway and defeating them. It would just be so satisfying. Um, I definitely prefer that idea to the idea of segregated servers um, where high-ranking can't play against low-ranking. Yeah, yeah, just it's the thrill of like beating somebody so like higher ranking than you, and you're like, oh crap, am I gonna win? And you do, and you know, and everybody sees it. Another cool thing we can do is uh, sort of at the end of the round on a in a multi duel, um, so you know, six you know, two on two on two, and uh, with some spectators. So at the very very end of the round, before a map change, the two top players duel each other, and everybody spectates. And that could be really cool. We want to make these kind of situations where it's just like holy, you know, holy crap. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And of course, my last and final question um, is when can the listeners expect to see Biram Bao on their hard drives? When it's done. <laughs> 2009, 2010? Yeah, when it's done. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, I think we all have like full-time jobs, and uh, yeah, we just do this on our spare time, so... So definitely, it's gonna it's it's going at a slower pace than uh, than you know we'd like, but uh, it's pushing forwards in a very steady way. It definitely seems like it. So where can people go to find out more about Beer and Bell? It's uh, NinjaWorkshop.com. Zan uh, put together this cool website for us, and uh, you know go check it out. NinjaWorkshop.com. Alrighty. So that is our interview with Beer and Bell. And uh, definite, definitely great mod. Can't wait for it to be released so I can play with some uh, people out around the world. Um, definitely gets the Podcast 17 seal of approval. You need, listener, you need to follow this mod. You need to get involved with this mod group. Maybe meet some uh, people on their forums or something. Um, follow the media. Download all their images. Make make your desktop wallpaper a Biram Bao screenshot. It's just that awesome. I actually yeah. should set my wallpaper as a Biram Bao screenshot. <laughs> yeah, so is mine, actually. Wow. Anyway, so I think that closes up the show. Um, I'd like to thank the listeners for tuning in. You can find out more information about Podcast 17 at www.podcast17.com. Um, always comment on our shows. You can check out all the show notes there as well. So if you don't know where to find Biram Bao or Maybe uh, Mike talked too fast. The link is there on the right. So we do not leave you unarmed. Um, you can download all the mods we've talked about as well. Check out all the links. And we need audio questions. Come on, people. Anything. You want to ask me what color my cat is? I don't even have a cat. But if you want to ask, go ahead and ask it. And uh, we'll play it on the show. Or if you want to ask why doesn't Nick have a microphone? Also, another really, really good question to ask. But uh, we need audio questions, so in the comments you can record an audio or video question, and it's really that simple. Um, and then we just go ahead and play it. Not too complicated. We make it easy for you guys. And, uh, of course, 
I'd like to thank Thomas and uh, Alex for being on the show. You guys have any last words? Um, none other than uh, it was fantastic being here, and I'm really looking forward to Birumbau. Uh, yeah, I don't have too many last words. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, hope I'm living up to the expectations that Philip has left for me. I know it's my first show as co-host, so hopefully everything went well. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. And I'd also like to thank Mike and Chris from Beer and Bow and the entire Beer and Bow staff. Hey, thanks for having us. Definitely. And, of course, I'd like to thank the listeners. So tune in next week. Um, we're going to be interviewing the guys from Creed's Source. Uh, it's going to be an interesting interview. And I think we're out. <laughs>